How are you, friend? I am doing well. It's a great Thursday so far. It is, honestly. It's been a good day. Good energy. Really good energy. My dog's hanging out with me. He turns three on Saturday, so I'm really happy about that. Happy early birthday. Yay. Well, thank you. You gonna throw a party? Uh, I am. Saturday night, we're going over to my friend's house, and they have two um, Norwich Terriers themselves, and I'm going to get him a doggy cake and have them all hang out and probably barbecue. Oh, yay. That sounds like fun. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be cute for a three-year-old dog. <laughs> well, they are children, so they deserve the same level of appreciation. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to start off with a couple of wrestling questions and we'll get into the the fun, fun questions. Sure, I have, my, I have my teacup ready. So everyone listening, I am excited. <laughs> Very excited to have you on. Very excited. I just wanted to start off by asking, what was the moment? Like, was there a specific moment that made you realize, I want to be a wrestler? Like, did you watch something on TV? Was it just throughout your life, inspired by other people? What's the story? I'm going to take you way back. I had lived in the Bay Area most of my life, 96, moved to Phoenix for four years, came back in 2000. And one of my friends at the time was like, hey, let's go over to my friend's house. He has a wrestling ring. He has wrestling shows in his backyard. And that turned into, well, the shows are shit. I'm starting to train how to be a wrestler. So now if you guys pay me, I'll train you how to be a wrestler. So that way you'll know, you know, you'll know basic stuff. So I did that until mm, probably 2003, 2004. And then I was like, I need to start being an adult. I'm going to be an adult. I'm going to start working full time, also watch wrestling and fast forward 14 years. I was at this show in South San Francisco at this Mexican restaurant called El Toro. Hmm. And it was, it was just so much fun. And my friends and I, the first show we went, we like, dressed up in wrestling gear i had on just this basic ass blue nasty pig singlet that i bought at mr s leather and i was like oh bitch i'm a wrestler i look good um and i was wearing my bare chest calendar vest because that was the year that i did the bare chest calendar nice i saw yes um snapback yes yes absolutely they were there selling calendars and Raising awareness of, you know, all the goodwill that they're doing for the for the LGBTQIA plus community. And so I was at the show. I was really just feeling myself. And it was such a fun time that uh, every every time they would do a show, I would always get all my friends to go with me. And there was one show it was June 2019 where the main event 
at, at, it was an evening gown match. And at the very end, Pollo Del Mar and Jerry Gigolo pulled me from the crowd and brought me into the ring. And Jerry, before I even got in the ring, he's like, when you get up there, make sure you wipe your feet. And we just got up there, paraded around a little bit. And, uh, and after the show, one of the wrestlers was like, you need to come uh, to training. You need to be a wrestler. You would do really well. People would pay to see you. They would care about what you're doing. So come talk to me on Tuesday. And I, I just thought, like, oh, man, like, am I really going to do this? Am I going to, like, get back into this, like, crazy world of pro wrestling and really commit to it? And so I did. And I haven't looked back since. It's been, like, when I started, we had a list of what are the things you would like to, what are your goals in pro wrestling that, you would like to accomplish and every year i have to i have to update them because by my first year and this is even with the pandemic i had just blown through most of the goals that i had set for myself wow that is wow i love yeah. i love that it seems yeah. like it was always calling back to you. Like, it just seems like there was, it was always a sign that you would circle back to the world of wrestling. Pro wrestling is like that, that family member, I'll call it like my uncle, where it's, oh, you know, you, you can always count on your uncle. Your uncle might be a little messy sometimes, might be on a, you know, might be drunk a few times, have a substance abuse problem, but there's always that comfort in knowing that they're always there for you. And I was, and they always have a good story to tell you. For sure. Now that you put it that way, I can see it. Yeah. It's like that one uncle. It's just that one most sometimes problematic uncle <laughs> Daniel, where you're like, damn you really you are just a messy bitch today i can't believe you did that but, but then you're like well i actually yeah i i figured you would do that <laughs> can't wait to see <laughs> the next reunion <laughs> yeah branching off of how you mentioned Poyo del mar uh how did you end up working with Poyo with money power respect how did that come about well, my I met Poyo when I worked at Moby Dick Bar. She was performing for one of the drag shows back then called Dick at Night, hosted by Grace Towers. And I knew she liked wrestling, and we just started chatting it up. We exchanged phone numbers, socials, and she... Fabrizio and I, we, we we were just coming out of the pandemic. And during the pandemic, we started tagging together and we started making plans to come back as a tag team. And Poyo came to one of our student shows and recorded one of our matches and then was doing commentary during the match. And we went out afterwards and we were just kind of talking like, I think that 
the three of us, we have something really stellar, like really magical together. And uh, fast forward a show or two later, she came out during our match. I think we were wrestling third degree and basically revealed herself to be our new manager. And it's just been, you know, we've just hit the ground running and uh, I'm really happy about how far we've gone together. I mean, it's to the point where Fabrizio calls uh, Poyo and myself uh, his chosen family. And, you know, like in the LGBTQ plus community, there's a lot of times where people come out and their family kicks them out. They're displaced. So they have to create their own family within their community. So it's kind of neat that this guy who probably has not had a lot of exposure to drag performers, to gay people, suddenly he's in a tag team with someone who's openly gay and Poyo, who's like a famous drag queen. And Fabrizio has just been like the most incredible ally that either of us could have asked for. I can definitely see it just like, because the first time I saw you guys as a trio, you, Fabrizio, and Poyo was more gay shit too. And yes. then watching you guys at Snapback and even just the small social media exchange to promote uh, To Live and Die in San Jose, it's definitely, yeah. it doesn't even have to be much, but I can see how you guys just like mesh and flow together so perfectly. Absolutely. We speak the same language. Sometimes it's nonverbal communication. Sometimes we don't have to verbally say things to each other. We just know like, okay, bitch, it's on. Let's let's get it cracking. Period. I love that. Yeah, especially on Twitter. Poyo's so great at Twitter. I've really had to step my game up um, on Twitter to just, you know, create a following and uh, my small little um, social following I have on Twitter. Um, <laughs> at TikTok, I was really proud. I had over 2,000 followers on TikTok for the longest time. And I think Poyo now actually has more followers than me on TikTok. Um, but she has such a larger following. So, I mean, it makes sense. But yeah. for a minute there, Poyo, bitch, I did have you beat on TikTok. And don't you forget that. And honestly, I think my TikTok's more fun than than hers. I'll say it. <laughs> you just <can't. laughs> Learn I told you, you know, hey, I'm going to get a little messy today. Learn, so I'm learn, already starting. Learn to dance, and I think you got it. I was trying to learn that um, last night. The I was, penguin dance, yes. I was trying to learn that one, and then there's this one, for, there's two different ones for Doja Cat's new song. I was trying, one was like fast, and I was trying to learn that one, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick to the penguin. Penguin's a little easier. I want to learn the Beyonce cozy Ooh. concert dance where the the two like robotic mirrors come out. Yes. I want to learn that. I'm actually going to try to learn that. We have a show tonight at Stoner U Dojo. I'm going to see if I could how I have the base, you know, the gist of it down. I'm going yeah. to see if I could just kind of do it my own way and then do it tonight when I when they introduce me. Do it. I will I would love to see yeah. it. Yeah.
did um I remember we were at karaoke one night and you mentioned that you trained at East Bay Pro Wrestling. <laughs> I did, yes. That how you met up with Fabricio or was it just before that? We when I came in that Tuesday to talk with our uh, Rick Luxury, my first trainer and the owner at the time, um I actually saw Fabricio running ropes and just doing stuff in the ring. And I was like, wow, this guy looks pretty cool. I hope I get to work with him someday. Same with Serza. I saw Serza. He wanted to like yes. learn how to do the Japanese style arm drags. And um, and he was another one where I was like, wow, I hope I get to work with both of these, both of these wrestlers one day. And they're both, you know, Fabrizio, I call him my little brother. And Serza's, you know, he's just such a great guy, great person. But yeah, that's where I where I got my start and I <laughs> yeah, so East Bay Pro. Gotta love it. And then Jetta was telling me that you originally came up with the concept of full queer before she took over the booking. Um I did, yes. I, I, so the genesis of Full Queer was the Prince X of Pride title. I wanted a belt introduced into pro wrestling, you know, for our community, for the LGBTQIA plus community. Yeah. Something like a love letter to our community in pro wrestling, and it could be it could be defended anywhere, any promotion, any state, any city where they were cool with it, where there was representation, where, um, you know, the visibility was there. And we had our first show, June 2021. And I, it was a thing for me where I was like, I don't want this to just be a show during Pride Month. I, If I'm going to do this, I want it to be something that, even if it's twice a year, three times a year, I want it to be something that um, that happens more frequent than just in June, and that it really it it means something. So that's how Full Queer started. It started with the Prince X of Pride title. Yeah, my friends and I one day we were just kind of spitballing, kind of parody names of the you know of of uh, pro wrestling shows, but you know like the queer versions okay. of them. Um, and one of my friends said full queer instead of full gear. And I was like, oh, hold on, wait, what did you just say? And he was like, full queer. And I'm like, mm, I think that's the name. I think that's the name of the first show that we're going to do. And it was just called full queer. And it was perfect. And people, what people don't realize is that wrestling is one of the best forms of expression for the LGBTQIA plus community. That's that's Absolutely. what I've noticed. And yeah, the thing that I'm really proud about Full Queer is that it's not specifically for, you know, the community. I really take a lot of pride in knowing that Full Queer, we really look try to look out for marginalized people. Uh, and the word queer in of itself means weird, strange. It doesn't specifically mean gay, trans, bisexual, pansexual. 
that's something that people use as an insult and it's something that we've taken back ownership of and we're like queer is cool It's fun. it's fun queer is everything But I cannot, like, there's no limit on the amount of fun that I have with you guys at the shows. So it's just, yeah you people. we really feel good I, when people people have asked me How would you describe full queer? What is it? Is it a wrestling promotion? Is it a show? Is it? I'm like, full queer is like the the community rec center where we just you know have our doors open for marginalized people, for the LGBTQIA plus community, for people who feel like they don't fit in anywhere. I'm like, doors are open. Come on and hang out. That's the best part because wrestling is a community. And if you're in this industry or involved in wrestling at all, you got to have that comfort of knowing people are seeing you for who you are. It doesn't matter what you look like, what you identify as, who you're into. It's just a place where you can come be yourself and have fun. absolutely that's the main thing is just you know like people feeling seen and and heard and valued and i take a lot of pride in in what we're creating with full queer been very fulfilling so far watching what you guys are doing it's it's beautiful or i guess i'm part of the team so I'm, i don't know why i'm saying you guys but uh You know, it's just you know, it's a it's a good time. Full queer is a good time. really is so at the pride show you had a freddy krueger-esque gimmick going for one of your other characters llama jack I did. I did. Llama Jack was going through some some mental things, and one of his inner demons. happened to be Fred, you know, like a Freddy Krueger type Camelid type creature. And that's, you know, what came to life at Pride or Die. And then I saw a picture where you kind of had a leather face esque. Yes. That was for my spaghetti western death match because you know llamas are from the south. It was western. So I'm thinking, okay, Southwest Let me get this leather face vibe going and uh, and really ter terrorize Stoner U that night. Would you say that you have a connection to those characters, Leatherface and Freddy Krueger? Uh, you know, I, I just love those movies. Freddy Krueger, it's just like the very idea of the safest place right, but you're at your most vulnerable is when you are asleep, right? And Freddy Krueger, it's like he knows, okay, bitch, I got you. You're in your sleep. You can't do shit. Time to die. And I just think that the idea alone, the premise is just so terrifying. I love it. And I just think just... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface, he's a total badass. The original, I like the 
the reboot they did with Jessica Biel, the prequel that they did, those were all great. I mean, he's such an iconic badass. And when I was thinking of like, what would be like a fun, scary thing that I could do, but it also tied into the type of match I was doing, it just made the most sense. Yeah, because like the back, like the backwoods south of the Sawyer family that, yeah. Yeah. And then, fast, you know, uh, AEW has a Texas Chainsaw Massacre match last night. And I'm like, oh, hmm. Yeah, that's that was. Cool. That's pretty cool. We did that last month, but awesome. That was interesting. I didn't watch it. I saw a clip and I was just like, what? The what? They even had a belt made for it and everything. So I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. I guess the uh, video game is coming out. And I'm like, I want to play it, but I'm not that good at video games to warn. I do want to play it, too. I don't have a PS5, but I'm so tempted to get one just to get that game and play it. I had um the Friday the 13th game. And it just it breaks my heart what happened because of like the licensing and the rights. But... How was the Friday the 13th game? Was that fun? It was fun to an extent because I bought it after they couldn't do updates anymore and you could only yeah. play as Jason. Like you couldn't play as the campers or anything. I think I'd only want to play as Jason. Yeah. But then like the survival aspect could be fun, like trying not to get caught. I mean, that's true. But for me, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I just got caught. Kill me. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. What was the first horror movie you ever encountered? You know what? It's probably Nightmare on Elm Street. Hmm. I just remember they used to have it on TV, like on the weekends at night. And I was just mesmerized. I was just terrified, but um, but I was just so enamored. It just totally captivated me just like how scary this guy with his whole body burnt with the claw and he was just toying with these people um yeah i think that was the first one the original halloween too is another one that is just mm -hmm. in my like mount rushmore of scary movies it's so creepy like how in that very first Halloween, how he portrayed Michael Myers to just be creepy and silent, it still gets under. Yeah. And that's the rush of it all. It's um literally one of the one of the best horror movies, in my opinion. The original Halloween. Facts. For me, I think the the first horror movie I ever watched, because I watched them around the same time, it's hard to tell what was first, but I always say. Either I know what you did last summer and Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Ooh, I love, I love. I know what you did last summer. Such a classic. Everybody sleeps on it, but it's just Ben Willis is so scary. People I love it, man. And you, what were the? I know you mentioned you saw Talk to Me. What were a couple other recent horror movies that you saw? I've seen. Gosh. I love scary movies. I, I go to the movies all the time. Some A lot of the time by myself. Talk to Me was another good one. What are some other ones? Some other ones that have come out this year? Because I, I, 
I see a lot of them. I know Barbarian last year was incredible. Oh, um, yes. Pearl, I freaking love Pearl. Yes. Pearl I, made X a better movie. Did, did you know that they filmed it like back to back? Yes. Oh my gosh, that was insane for me because I went to see it X on a whim. And I stayed because I heard there was a post-credit scene and then the post-credit scene ended up being the trailer for Pearl and I was like, his yeah. mind. His mind. Uh, I saw, um, shout out to Brooke Havoc. She she said this movie was scary. 100% did not scare me. It was it was such a let, let down was um, Insidious Red Door. Really? Did not think it was scary. I was interested in that one because I just liked the storyline with that family. So I was like, oh, shit. They sure, absolutely. Let me see. But now I'm hearing like mixed reviews. Okay. I was really expecting it to be something. And it was just like, oh, all right. That's it. Uh, Okay. I was like that for Terrifier 2 because everybody it made it out to be like it was scarier and gorier than it was. Terrifier 2, the thing about that one was, it. I don't think it was scary. It was just more shocking how gory it was. Yeah. For me, the bedroom scene with the friend, Yeah. It, it was like, okay, at what point is enough enough? It's like so overdone, so much. Like, why? Why are you, why is this happening now? The first, like the initial time he came in the room, that was fine. But when he came back, that was a little excessive. But I did like that they used practical effects. Yes, like the, when she was sitting on the bed, that was actually a marionette that they had created. Oh, sick. Yes. So once I found that out, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Okay. That scene was as overboard as it was. Uh, I like that they used practical effects. That's what um that's what I loved about the Evil Dead remake too, because they use practical effects. Yeah. No, that one. Uh, yeah, I would say. Talk to me was great. Uh, Barbarian was great. Pearl was great. Those are probably. I'm sure I'm missing some, but those are probably like the last. Dream Six came out. This year, it was okay. I it was it was good. It was entertaining. I wouldn't say it was scary. I'm thinking more movies that I leave the theater and I'm like, what the hell did I just watch? What, like, what just happened? And like, have to go on YouTube and watch the endings explained. That's kind of how it was for Evil Dead Rise because I, as much as I love the Evil Dead movies, I was kind of like, what were they trying to convey here? Yeah. But in light of this horror conversation, I would like you to name your favorite horror movie. Not just like recent, but just in general. Favorite horror movie. A horror movie you feel was overrated, didn't live up to the hype. And so that's the, the one that was overrated that didn't live up to the hype would be Insidious Red Door. Okay, okay. Favorite horror movie? Pat? It's, uh, without even thinking about it, it's Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. And if I can't do that one, uh, then I would do Hereditary. 
Okay, hereditary love. Insane. The way that they totally had everybody expecting one thing and not even halfway through the movie, boom, the sister's dead and you're like, Oh, wait, what? yes. I remember the first time I watched it, I think my jaw was on the floor from that moment to the rest of the movie. I am not a religious person, but I walked out and I was like, I need some holy water. I need to like fill a bathtub up with holy water and just sit in it. Because I just felt so like disgusted. Like, oh my God, that movie was crazy. It was just like when you thought it couldn't get any crazier, it was like, nope, this is happening. Whoa, shoot, this is happening now. And it was just like insane. It was insane. I loved it. Those are the type of movies where I'm like, that was amazing. That was incredible. I, we need more movies like this. And so now we're going to get into a little bit of Beyonce kind of rapid quick fire to wrap things up a bit. Oh, oh, I'm ready. I am ready. You said the magic word. Yes. So first of all, you are one of the biggest Beyonce fans I know. Just compliment. I want to admire you for the dedication. Thank you. So. What started it all? Was it like a specific song? Was it a specific era? Was it a specific look? I have always loved Beyonce. I remember just being so, um, what's the word? When Destiny's Child came out with the remix with Wyclef Jean. No, no, no. That was like 1997. And I was like, oh, this is a cool song. Then I heard the original, the slow version of No, No, No. And I was like, yeah, you know, we all knew. automatically Beyonce is the star. This is a vehicle for her to become a star. And I've always been such a huge, huge, not like a huge beehive fan, but I think what really hooked me was the self-titled album. Ooh. Just The like how audacious, right? You don't tell anybody You're just sitting on this music project. You do music videos for every song on the album. You don't tell anyone. And then on a random Friday in December, you drop it on iTunes and just destroy the internet. I think I can remember like where I was when that happened too. I, I was just on It's like one of those, where were you when Beyonce dropped her self-title? Right, right, right. And it dropped, and one of my friends was like, Beyonce has a new album out. And I was like, girl, shut the fuck up. You're, like, you're crazy. Just shut up. And they were like, no, stupid. Check Instagram. And they sent me the thing, and I was like, holy shit. She really just broke the internet. She really just she changed the entire lands landscape. of the music industry. Literally. And I really, you know, like, I really enjoyed her music before that, but I just thought, like, this is so ballsy. It's so ballsy. And it was just, like, after that, like, no one could ever sleep on Beyonce, could ever take her for granted or or anything. And there's so many... songs on that self
emotional. There were some that were thought provoking for me. And uh, it just came at a time where that album really resonated with me. And just to think about like you put out music videos, for all your songs and the flow of it, it was just a fun, it was a fun listen. And the music videos are all incredible. I would say my favorite music video from oh from that album. Gosh, I like the I like the music video for Blow. They're in the roller yeah. roller skating rink. Yeah, neon, the neon. Yeah, I like Seven Eleven. That music video where they're just having fun. Yeah, and in a hotel room. Um, but yeah, and then Lemonade. I mean, come on, that album is voted. Uh, I think Time Magazine voted that album. The number one album of the 2010s. It's incredible. I just listened to it uh, the other night. I watched the the uh, video for it. The Lemonade. Uh, what do you? What would you call it? Like a movie? Like the behind the like, scenes. No, just like the Lemonade, like where it starts oh, and it the, has all the music videos. The full. The full. The yes. Whole yes. Where she drops it on HBO. Yeah. I found it online and watched it, and I was just like. She she's done things that have just been so ahead of the curve, and um, I just you know people still um, discredit her and how hard she works and um, how intelligent she is and how much how much music means to her. Um, so long, I don't get how people are like shocked. I'm like she knows what she's doing. I mean, even like, you know, when she came out with the uh, Lion King soundtrack, Lion King, The Gift, um, like every song on that album is a banger. Every song on that um, has meaning to it. Like the very first song, Bigger, if you take the lyrics, you know, you're having a bad day. You could read the first few lines of that song and it's such an like an affirmative song for someone to just read the lyrics and like yeah you know i am part of something bigger and you know not to lose sight of of that and then you know when she dropped renaissance that was just completely mind-blowing yeah. every song on that album and you know you could go to an interview she's done years ago we're talking right before self-titled where she breaks it down and talks about how all these singers burn out because they make a bunch of singles. They don't focus on making a body of work that people want to listen to. Uh, and they, you know, release a bunch of singles and then they burn out where I feel like with Beyonce, all of her projects, she takes her time with them. They mean something to them and it's meant for you to listen to the entire body of work. Renaissance was very intentional from song one, like all the songs blend into each other. So it's really like an album you sit down and you play from song one to the very end. It's not an album where you want to skip around a lot because it's just it just doesn't work as well as listening to the entire thing the whole way through. Like I had to, I literally had to buy the Renaissance vinyl because literally what you just said, you have to sit down and listen to it from song one. Yeah. From eight, point A to point B. And the packaging too for 
Renaissance, the poster included, the book that's included with all the pictures. It's gorgeous. It's stunning. It's just she has designers probably begging her, please, we we made this custom look for your concert. Please consider wearing this. And the looks that she's been turning on her concert are iconic. People will be able to look in 50 years and go, wow, this was amazing. She really, she really put on such a show just, just from without, without even singing, you just see pictures of what she was wearing. And you're like, this is incredible. At no, no other point have I ever seen someone who has dedicated their life to, um, an artistry like this, like the Renaissance tour, people are are coming away from this concert saying that this is a life changing experience, and I truly do believe that. It is because I I know somebody that I went to high school with. She went to one of the Paris tour dates, and I was just like, "Why is she in Paris?" Shut up! Are you serious? Literally, I was tapping through stories, and I'm like, "Why is she in Paris?" And then she posted the stage, and I'm like, "No, she did not." Insane. Insane. I I um I promised my friend Larry that when Kylie Minogue goes on a world tour, we'll go see her in Paris yes. because he is going with me to um see Beyonce in Las Vegas next week. Oh yes, are you excited? Very. I uh, I am so excited. This is whew, this is definitely something that I have been waiting for since she announced her tour uh back in february so it's definitely uh i've been waiting a, a number of months to go to this tour but as soon as i was done listening to the album for the first time i just knew it i was like as soon as she goes on tour i need to be there heck yeah i'm excited for you friend and we are, yeah, are kind of running out of time so if you want to Tell the people where they can find you on the socials real quick. Uh, yeah, find me on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok. Please follow me on TikTok. I need to uh, gain more fans than Paul Del Mar again. Uh, but it is at Marco, M-A-R-C-O, Mayor, M-A-Y-U-R, 5-1. Sweet. I'll also put that in the description when I post the episode. But thank you for Perfect. coming on friend i love it thank you so much for having me this was great so much fun thank you so much absolutely have a good rest of your day and have fun tonight at stoner you